0: Hot dog, you made it on the first Wednesday. Turn to the person next to you and say, hot dog, I get to sit by you. You may be seated. Cowboy Junction adults, would you please help me welcome the Cowboy Junction youth group? Yeah. Cowboy Junction youth group, would you help me welcome the Cowboy Junction adults? Yeah. Way to go, kiddos. That was great. That was great. Tonight you're in for a treat. This is a relationship that has been, uh, we've we probably known each other longer than a lot of people in the room have known each other. And we go way back. And I want to talk about we, I'm talking about a lot of people in this room, uh, Heather and I and, and, and Trey go way, way back. And his mom and dad, Barry and Shirley are sitting in the front row over here and they just, they, they're pretty incredible. Uh, let me tell you that we did college rodeo ministry together many, many, many years ago. For you guys, let me tell you, I was 19 years old when I first started. Trey was like six when he started college rodeo ministry. And, and I did Arizona and, and, and uh, Nevada, and Trey, man, was tearing it up everywhere else. He got 48 states, and I got two. And he, this guy is amazing. One of the things I love about Trey is he loves Jesus with all of his heart, He's about one of the greatest team roping instructors you will ever meet in your entire life. Any of our young ropers here today, you, I, I promise you would—you've you, you've ever heard of Trey Johnson roping schools? They are just phenomenal. What makes them even better is Trey's such a leader, and he'll teach you how to rope, but he'll explain to you the principles of kingdom. And it, men walk away thinking, "I thought I was going to learn how to be a better roper, and I learned how to be a better person." I learned how to follow Jesus. I love Trey Johnson with all of my heart. Uh, And and to tell you, uh, uh, our parents, Maggie Bean's watching right now online. So uh, I'm talking about our parents. Well done. You guys did an amazing job with your amazing son, Trey Johnson. And Maggie Bean, you did an amazing job with your son, (laughs) Ty Bean. Yes, yeah. So with that, uh, let me tell you, Trey Johnson is about one of the finest speakers When it comes to the richness and the wisdom of the word of God, by all means necessary, I want you to recognize that there is going to be a rich spiritual meal delivered to you in the next few minutes. And do not allow the cares of this world to distract you from the spiritual um, steps that God is wanting to bring into your path today. So, Cowboy Junction, would you help me welcome one of my favorite guys on the whole planet, the one and only Trey Johnson.
1: Thank you, Pastor. Love you. (laughs) Thank you for this one gentleman that stood. The rest of you, how's it going? (laughs) Thanks, man. I don't know you, but I like you already. Yeah. How's everybody doing? That was so weak. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Like Pastor Ty said, uh, this has come a long way since the cell barn. Uh, you know, the first time I started coming over here, it was, it was at the cell barn. Cowboy Junction was at the cell barn. Um, and I was just telling Pastor Ty, how many of you were here at the cell barn? Can I see a hand in the very beginning? Yes, I even had hair at that time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you did or not. You started losing yours like really young. Um, so, Pastor Ty and I—we've known each other for a long time, and Heather, and and it's just been so cool to see what God's done. And uh, you are in a great place. You know that. Don't don't take for granted your pastors. You know we travel all over the world. My wife and I. My wife's name is Heather, so that's an anointed name for sure. And uh, we got three kids, but we're in all different types of churches from Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Cowboy, non- and non-national, and we just the list goes on and on. So I've seen some pretty interesting stuff over the years. Uh pastored churches for almost nine years, helped start several different churches and everything, and so when I see this building, it just excites me of how good God is and how faithful God is, and just you haven't seen anything yet, the best is yet to come. And... Um, So it is just, it just excites me on the inside, and I could go on and on, but I just, I want you to honor your pastors, pray for your pastors, they love you, they believe in you, you know, I always say that this is God's greenhouse, you know, when you come into this house, the thermostat is set on grow, you're going to have the right amount of moisture, the presence of God, for what God has placed on the inside of you to come out. And so I want to encourage you to expect to hear the voice of God tonight. Will you do that with me? Whenever we're dismissed tonight, I want to encourage you to stop by the product table out there. We have a few things uh, that I brought with us. We have some T-shirts, caps. We have uh, teaching CDs. They're the bigger package. And then the smaller ones are USBs or flash drives. It's not singing. You would not want me to sing on those. So people say, oh, you got singing CDs. Oh, no, no, I don't have singing CDs. They're they're teaching CDs. There's a few books that I've written out there, and there's a way to go to our website and everything. And so if you want to just grow, we would love to have you be a part of what God's doing through our ministry around the world. We're currently reaching about 500 million people a week around the world right now on our different TV networks and stuff that we're on. And I know we're on God's learning channel here. We're on direct, we're on dish, we're on several different uh, channels that you could follow along we got podcast youtube channel uh, all the social media stuff uh, we are trying we send out daily devotionals my wife and i write and and so if you're serious about your growth then we're doing our best to help you know god and be the best you that you can be I, i've got a funny this morning i was at the airport and i've i've been going for uh i don't even know how long i've been going i've been uh, last couple of weeks you know i was in california uh, at Fresno, California, I went into this corporation. I do a lot of leadership development and stuff. And I was in Fresno, California, and I did leadership development for half a day. And then I spoke at a church that night, then flew from there to North Carolina, where I did a roping clinic. And if you ropers are in here. I've got a few left throughout the year. And we'll get to lead hundreds, literally hundreds of people to the Lord every year through the roping clinics. Uh, so I went to North Carolina, did a roping clinic for two days, and then preached. And we got to baptize several of them. Eleven got saved, I think, at that one. And then i went from there to colorado and then from there to florida and then to montana and oklahoma for a four day meeting and and so anyway i'm 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 at the airport this morning and i'm i mean i'm telling myself you got strength for your days and so you know you when you go through the security and you have you have uh, the scanner system going out this way and you have a scanner system going out this way well I get in this line here and I take off all my stuff and I put on the conveyor belts. and so when I come through the security I'm just you know in, inside listening to the Lord on you know where I'm going and you know sometimes I got to think about okay what town am I going to I'll stand in the Denver airport sometime and be like okay now what day is it and which town am I going to and uh, and so I, I take off my stuff and put it on the deal, and I walk out, and I come to this conveyor belt. And I'm just sitting here, and I'm just like, man, where's my stuff? I mean, it is this. And then I realize I don't know any of these people on this side, of my stuff's over here waiting. So sometimes uh, when I get real tired, you know, I, I don't use the word tired very often. I mean, when, around my house, they just they, we say I've got strength for my days. But when I'm really tired, when my wife hears me moving, she knows she better wake up. Because there's, you know, a while back I'm on the wall because I'm in so many different hotel rooms and, and they just all kind of clash together. And so I'm in, the, in, in a room and I'm just on the wall and I'm just doing this, trying to find She's like, Trey, what are you doing? I'm like, I just need to go to the bathroom. Where's the bathroom at? And so when she hears me, she's had to talk me out of the closet. She's had to talk me out of the shower. You know, I'm lapping the shower in here because it's like, okay, the room's disoriented on me. So, yeah, it's exciting stuff. but it is a, a privilege to be a part of what God's doing you know I don't I don't take what we get to do lightly at all and and this isn't a game to me I want you to know the God that I know I want you to know the God that your pastors know you know I didn't give my life to the Lord till I was 20 years old as far as, uh, and, and I see my mom and dad sitting here, and, hi, Krill, how are you doing? And um, like Ty said, my parents were just awesome. When, when I got out of high school, they did a great job raising me um, important values and God, and, but whenever I got with the wrong crowd, you know, who you hang out with matters, and I got into college and everything, and I started making dumb decisions, and so I quit school, and I was living with a girl. I uh, moved to El Paso. I was living with a girl out, outside of wedlock. And in today's society, just so you know, that's not right. <laughs> and I went home one weekend. And during this time, my parents said, you know, Trey, we're not going to finance the decisions that you're making. We love you, and you're always welcome here, but we're not going to finance the decisions that you're making. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'm, I'm my own man, and I'll do my own stuff. And, and so I went home one weekend. I never will forget it. I was getting ready to leave, and my dad Comes out the back door and tears are running down his face, and he says, Trey, the Lord show me you're gonna die if you don't get your life right. And I was thinking, Yeah, right, Dad. You know, I just thought he was just trying to pull one over on me. So I went back to living in the environment that I was living in. And a few weeks later, I was leaving the rodeo at Austin, Texas, and I was driving. The guy I was roping with was in the passenger seat, the girl I was living with at the time was asleep in the back seat. It was the middle of the night. And I wake up, and I'm running 70 miles an hour down a four-lane highway. You know, two lanes going this way, two lanes going this way. And I'm running 70 miles an hour down the median. And so when I wake up, I just try to ease the rig back onto the road. And right up ahead of me, there's a big water culvert in front of me. And it had the concrete slabs going up both sides of it. And I saw it wasn't going to make it. So I pulled the truck back over right in the middle. And I hit it perfectly with the truck, but the trailer caught the water culvert right on and so it ripped the trailer away from the truck and if you've ever been in a wreck you know things are going in slow motion And, and as I'm spinning in the truck right here as it pulled it apart I'm watching the trailer just go end over end over end in the median and so when I we ended up across the road in a pasture when I realized that okay we're still alive and you know the people I was with were still alive I just took off running Towards the horse trailer and, and I, I get over there and we can't get any of the doors open and the horses are just pawing and kicking and they can't can't get out. And so by this time people have pulled over and called 911 and we're waiting for the jaws of life to come and cut the trailer open. And and I found one of the windows open. And so I open up the window and I crawl inside the trailer. I never will forget it because there's blood all over the inside of this trailer and the horses are pawing, and I'm trying to calm them down. And I remember my dad. Tears running down his face, and I'm saying, "Tray the Lord, show me that you're going to die if you don't get your life right." And thank God, my parents had taken me to church enough that I knew I needed to call on the name of Jesus, and I knew how to call on the name of Jesus. It wasn't any fancy prayer or anything. I just simply just called out Jesus. I want to know you. I want you to come into my life to be my Lord and Savior. And from that night, I just made a decision. I just want to know God. I don't. I don't want to know religion, I don't want to know church, I, I want to know him. And just so you know, one of the horses you couldn't compete on anymore after that because it stripped it down to its bone and air got to it, couldn't compete on it. The other two eventually being okay several months down the road. But from that, the reason I tell you that is because I always think about where I came from to where I'm at now. And that I know God is no respecter of person. It doesn't matter what your family situation is. It doesn't matter where you come from. If you will just start going after God, God's super will come on your natural. God will help you be everything you're called and created to be. And so I went back into this environment, um, you know, because that's just where I went back into, and I just found Matthew six thirty-three: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto me, and I made a decision, if I see it in God's word, I'm just going to start doing it, so I just started putting God first, say that with me, put God first, I just started putting God first, I'd get up in the morning, and I'd put God first, and still 27 years later, I get up in the morning, and guess what I do, put God first and 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 so I went back into this environment a few months later I was moved out of that environment just trying to get my life and stuff right and just a little bit after that the FBI came in and busted the people I lived with with four and a half tons of drugs and if you're not too good with math that's a lot of drugs (laughs) some of them have died in prison some of them are still in prison and the reason I tell you that is because once again it doesn't matter where you're at God has a purpose and plan for your life and God's word always works and you're, 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 you are at the right place to know the heart of God and to learn and grow. And, and so the thing that I want to share with you tonight, just the next few minutes that we have, is what I've been hearing over the past couple of weeks. When I was in California a few weeks ago, I looked at the sign and it said diesel 699. And instantly I thought inflation. And on the inside. The Lord just spoke up and He says, Trey, I I want my people to have inflated faith because inflated faith will bring inflated results. And so that's what I've been teaching on, but then when I got done teaching with that, I think the last uh, teaching on TV is this weekend for that one, the Lord started talking to me about how He wants you and I to walk in continual restoration. Say that with me, continual continual restoration. How God wants His people to walk in continual... Restoration, I want you to look at the definition of continual, frequently recurring, always happening, no interruptions. Restoration, I want you to think about this. Restoration means to bring back to the original. So if my Bible is up here and it were to fall down here, if I were to pick it up and bring it back to its original spot, this is where it would be. But when God gets involved with restoring your life, he always improves it, multiplies it, and makes it better. And Hebrews 8, 6 says that you and I have a better covenant built upon better promises. So every one of us have been separated from God at some point in time in our life. But when Jesus came into our life, we were restored, brought back to who we originally created to be. But when God gets involved in our life, he always improves it, multiplies it, and makes it better. You know why you want more on the inside? Because there is more. Jesus said, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. The reason you want more is because there is more. There's more of his presence. There's more of his courage. There's more of his wisdom. There's more of his power. There's more. Say it, there's more. So I've always got to ask myself, it, it's not the churchgoers who get results. It's not the bumper sticker habbers that say, I love Jesus. If you have a bumper sticker that says, I love Jesus, great. Honk if you love Jesus. But you know who gets results? James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, says it's those who do my word who are blessed in their doings. Blessed means empowered to move forward. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. And so when you hear me say a scripture, if you don't mind, I would encourage you to, if you do it on your phone or you have a pen or whatever it is, write down the scriptures. I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to take God's word for it. But if you get on your phone, please don't get on social media please be taking notes here. But second Corinthians thirteen five says it's important that you and I examine our own faith to make sure our faith is producing what it should be producing. So everybody do this. Put your finger up in the air. Now do this. Say, How am I doing? Yeah, that's good for us, isn't it? Because it's easy for us to come to church and get our eyes on everybody else and wonder what so and so's doing and wonder how they're doing and, and say it with me, how am I doing? And so I just want I want us to think, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it'll come up on the screen. So when we see God's word, can can we put our picture beside it? Am I being a doer of God's word? Because it's only the doers that get results. Say this with me, I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. Am I hungry, am I thirsty for the things of God? Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. Not they might be filled, they will be filled. Say it, they will be filled. So I've got to ask, am I hungry and thirsty for the things of God? See, whatever you give your attention to will build a desire in your life for good or bad. Am I hungry? How do I stir my hunger for anything? Whatever I give my attention to will build a desire. Why do you think you keep wanting to look at your phone all the time? Because you give your attention to it all the time. Whenever I would first gave my life to the Lord, I was a mess and... One of the scriptures I found was Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, and it says, My son, pay attention to my word, incline your ear into my saying. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for my word is health and healing to all their flesh. And he says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. But one translation I found said, My son, be addicted to my word. And I knew what that was. That was my language. I knew what it was like to be addicted. I knew what I would, the measures I would take to be addicted. And so I literally started trying to overdose on God's word. And you know what the side effects were? I had no idea I'd be doing what I'm doing today. But the side effect was I began to hear his voice. I began to discover what I was called to do. I began to discover the passions, the desires, the giftings that he had placed on the inside of me. So when he says those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. I've got to ask, is that me? Am I hungry? Am I thirsty for the things of God? Next scripture. This is Matthew 6 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So, are you seeking him first? Am I seeking him first? Put your finger up in there. Do this one more time. Say it How am I doing? Look at your neighbor and say, How am I doing? Look at your other neighbor and say, How you doing? So am I seeking Him first? Am I hungry and thirsty after righteousness? James chapter 4 verse 8 says, When I draw near to God, He will draw near to me. If I want to experience more of God, then am I seeking Him first? Am I drawing near to Him? Am I hungry and thirsty after righteousness? Because if I am, then things will be added unto me. If I am, He'll draw near to me. If I am, I will be filled. How many of you are thankful for where you've come from? How many of you are thankful that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? How many of you are thankful that His blood cleansed you from, from all sin? How many of you are thankful that God has assigned angels to you? How many of you are thankful that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for you right now? How many of you are thankful? Listen to this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. See, when we come into the house of God, it's always about Him. Abiding is about Him. Drawing near is about Him. Being hungry and thirsty, it's about Him. Seeking Him is about Him. So it's important when we come into the house of God. Stay with me. The Bible says when we come into the house of God that when we're planted, we will flourish. Notice it does not say when we're potted. But it says when we're planted. Now I want you to think about this. What is potted? look like we come into the house of God and we sit in our little pots and the pots are our perceptions what Aunt Boo Boo and Uncle Ding Dong taught us <laughs> right and we sit here and we listen to Pastor Ty in our pot and we're thinking okay I'll agree with you as long as if it if, if if it you know if you're smart as I am then I'll agree with you notice the Bible did not say when you're potted it says when you're planted So when you come into the house of God, the Holy Spirit is handing out spiritual hammers every time. And he's saying, will you smash your pot? Will you be willing to let down wrong thinking to embrace right thinking? Will you be willing to hear my voice with an intention of doing it? Will you smash your pot? Will you get off the pot? I go to Colorado a lot and you got to tell them, quit smoking the pot. (laughs) But it says when you're planted and not potted, look at your neighbor and say, get out of your pot. Get out of your pot. Look at each other nerve say, get out of the pot. Get planted. Say it. Get planted. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean that you never do anything else. You just pray all the time. No, it means just involving God in your life. Having him a part of every single thing that you're doing. He says, then in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. How many of us want to know we're in the will of God? Every single one of us, right? Well, if I'm thankful, then that lets me know that I'm in the will of God. In everything, he isn't saying for everything, but in everything. You don't thank God for the car wreck. You don't thank God for the cancer. You don't thank God for the sickness or disease. You thank God that he's going to help you get through it. He's going to help you get out of it. He's going to help you overcome. You thank God that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You thank God that you're more than a conqueror. You thank God that you're created in the image and likeness of God and his spirit is in you. You thank God that he never leaves you nor forsakes you. In everything you give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. If that's the only thing you know when you start. Start being thankful things will change say it thank you lord Lord. deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 47 through 48 in the amplified classic it says because you did not serve the lord your god with joyfulness of mind and heart and gratitude for the abundance of all with which he has blessed you therefore you will serve your enemies Think about this because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness of mind and heart and gratitude for the abundance of all with which He has blessed you. Therefore, you will serve your enemies. I've served the enemy before. I don't want to serve the enemy any longer. And if I'm not enjoying my relationship with God, then I'm not doing it right. Serving God is fun. Knowing that even when all hell breaks loose, that you're going to come out of this faster, stronger, better, quicker, knowing God more. That's fun to know that you win. Say it, I win. So how am I doing? Am I being thankful? How are you doing? Are you being thankful? Listen to this. Not only thankfulness, but joy. Continual restoration. That's on the heart of God, and I see the the clock ticking up there, so I'm going to kind of summarize things. Continual restoration, continual, frequent recurring, always happening, no interruptions. Restoration, to restore back to the original, but then make better, improve, multiply, and increase. Listen to what the psalmist says. David prays, this is after he had made a bad decision, he had, you know, committed adultery with Bathsheba, she got pregnant, then he murdered her husband, and so he was just a complete mess, and so the prophet Samuel comes to him, you know, brings correction and everything, and this is David, he's praying this prayer in Psalms 51 verses 10 through 12. And he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right, persevering, and steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore, say it, restore to me the joy of my salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Now, at that time, the Holy Spirit was on the people, on the prophet, the priest, the king. He was with them, but he wasn't in them like he's in you and I. And so when the psalmist David is praying this, he's already created in you and I a clean heart when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You already have a persevering, willing, steadfast spirit on the inside of you. And in the same cry of our heart, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Salvation doesn't mean just going to heaven. Salvation means wholeness, completeness. Restore to me the joy of what I've been born into in this family. Restore to me the joy of my inheritance. It's a joy. To know that I'm going to heaven and not hell. It is a joy to know that no matter what I face in life, God will help me. He's in me, with me, and for me. It is a joy to know the same way God showed up for David, he will show up for me. The same way he showed up for Moses, he will show up for me. Say it, he will show up for me. And it's important that at some point in time in our life, you and I take ownership of our relationship with God. Because it's easy to think, okay, he'll show up for pastors. He'll show up for somebody else. But no, when you get to the point, if he's going to show up for anybody, he's going to show up for me. If he's going to answer anybody's prayers, he's going to answer my prayers. If he's going to deliver anybody, he's going to deliver me. If anybody's going to know his plan and purpose, it's going to be me. Say it, it's going to be me. And the psalmist is saying, restore to me. Why, why is joy so important? Because when there's restoration continual, Frequently recurring, no interruptions in your joy, always happening, there's always strength. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our, now Proverbs 24 verse 10 says, if I faint in the day of adversity, my strength is small. If I faint in the day of adversity, my strength is small. So, if I have small strength, that lets me know I have small joy. But if I have big joy, then I have big strength. So, being thankful and being joyful positions me to receive the continual restoration that God has for my life. Go with me to Psalms 126. Now, an indicator that I'm believing God's word as you're going over to Psalms 126 is in Romans 15, verse 13. It says, May the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace. In believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound and be overflowing, bubbling over with hope. May the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You know what's an indicator that you believe that God's word is true? There's joy and peace. An indicator that I believe is there's joy and peace. See, belief always drives your behavior. Your belief always drives your behavior. So I ask myself this all the time when I'm studying and stuff. If I truly believe God's word and I back off and I truly believe, how would I think? How would I act? If I believe that God's going to answer my prayer, what's my body posture going to be? What's my physiology going to be? How thankful am I going to be? If I truly believe that God will do what he said he would do, there's joy and peace in believing, in believing. There's joy and peace in believing. Thank you, Lord. Remember, thankfulness, joyfulness, they go together in positioning ourselves to receive from God. And God is saying, I want you to receive continual restoration. Say it continual restoration is mine. Continual restoration, restore, bringing back to the original, multiplying, increasing, making it better. Continual restoration in our families, in our physical bodies, in our finances, in our careers, and whatever we're called and created to do. Continual restoration is mine as a child of God. Say it, it is mine. But see, the joy and the thankfulness comes before I see it in the natural It'd be just like me if I were to go up to a fireplace or something or, you know, a fireplace and I sit out in front of it. What would you think of me if I'm sitting out there and I'm saying, come on, come on, give me some, give me some heat and then I'll put some wood in. You would think that is a strange duck right there, right? But see, that's what we want to do with God a lot of times. We want to say, God, you show up and then I'll be thankful. You show up and then I'll be joyful. You show up and then I'll praise. You show up and then I'll do. But that isn't what faith does. Faith rejoices before you see anything. Faith is thankful before you see anything. Psalms 126, verses 1 through 4. It says, When the Lord brought back the captives who returned to Zion, we were like those who dream. It seems so unreal. Then were our mouths filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Turn to freedom our captivity and restore our fortunes, O Lord, as the streams in the south, the Nejib, are restored by the torrents. So, so what, he's, what he's praying right here is the, the, the Negev? it was an area that was really dry and really unproductive. And he said, God, I'm praying that you would restore God's people, just like this dry area, whenever it would rain, the torrents would come in, and it would make the dead places come alive. It would make the areas that were unproductive come alive. And he says, when, when they returned to Zion, Zion represents a dwelling place of God. Now, stay with me here. When they returned to the presence of God... They said it was, like, it was like a dream. It seems so unreal. Now I want you to think about this. Every one of us were separated from God. But when we accepted Jesus, we came back into the, the place of relationship with God. And now we are the place of God's dwelling. And it says when we were come from captivity into the dwelling place of God, it was like a dream. See, when you come into the presence of God, I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking about when our hearts are open and we're really after the heart of God, you'll begin to dream. I want you to think, how long has it been since you've dreamed? How long has it been since you've really located the real you? Young people, look at me. How long has it been since you've just let your mind go? Older people, look at me. How long has it been since you've let the real you start coming to life? Because when you reconnect to God and we open up our heart to God, the real us starts talking. It was like a dream. This building, this is like a dream. It seems so unreal. How long has it been since you've let your mind go there, since you've let your heart go there? How long has it been since you've reconnected and allowed your purpose to start talking to you again and that vision to come alive in you again and your passion to be hitting on all cylinders and for you to listen to the plan of God? Because what happens a lot of times is we get into the presence of God and we have this idea and we have this dream and we have this vision and our desires start talking to us. The real us comes alive and we think about it, but then then we look at the natural. And then we look back at the dream and we look at the natural. We look back at the purpose and we look at the natural. And we look back at the ideal and then we look at the natural again. And we let what we are seeing with our eyeballs talk us out of what God is saying. Instead of looking at the ideal and looking at the God who gave it. Look at the ideal and look at the God who gave it. Look at the ideal and look at the God. And if the God gave me the ideal, then it's already provided for See, when we come back into that place of relationship, the real us starts coming alive. Don't suffocate it, but yield to it. Allow the Spirit of God to do the great work on the inside of us that we're created to do. Think about your purpose. Think about your purpose. Do you, does each and every one of us, are we at least in the process of knowing our purpose, or have we let life suffocate the reality of who we really are created to be. I want you to think about this. Proverbs 19:21 says the purpose of God remains forever. It remains forever. So if we were to look at a diagram up here, and I want you to see Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before you were formed in your mother's womb that God knew you and he appointed you and he wired you and he designed you to be whatever you're called to be. And this purpose does not change. For before you were formed all the way through your life, it's in you. It's talking to you. It's running through your veins. It's running through your wiring. Always, all your life. But the sad thing is very few people ever discover it. Purpose never changes. Regardless of what you go through, it does not change. Proverbs 19, 21, the purpose of God remains forever, forever. It's in you right now, but do you know it? Isaiah 45, verses 9 through 13, it says that does the creation come to the creator and say, this is what I'm created to do. And what would we say? Especially in church. Oh, no, brother. How many times have we done that? God, this is what I'm going to do. Bless it. Okay, so purpose does not change. Say it does not change. Now, vision is what it looks like for you to accomplish your purpose. Vision, okay, so it, it, vision always serves purpose. So purpose does not change. Say it, it, does not change. But vision is what it looks like to be who you're called and created to be. What it looked like in my 20s looked different when I was in my 30s. It looks different when I'm in my 40s. It'll look different when I'm in my 50s, 60s, 70s. Purpose never changes, but what it looks like can change from seasons of life. But purpose never changes, but vision can change. See, vision is what it looks like when you get up on the highest part of the building and you see as far as you can, you operating in your strengths, your gift, your passion, your desires. Remember, when you reconnect to God, it's like you begin to dream. The real you comes alive and you can see what it looks like running that business, accomplishing that dream. You can see what you're called to do, but a lot of times we let what we look at through our eyeballs talk us out of what we see in our heart. We're designed to go where we see. Don't allow what you're looking at to talk you out of what you see. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, where there's no vision, people perish. Okay, so purpose never changes all the way through my life. Vision, it can change. But how... Do I bring the vision into reality? And it comes down to the plan. You know God has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, for the thoughts and plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're, they're thoughts and plans to prosper you, to give you hope, to give you a future that are not evil. Say it, the plan. Proverbs 16, verse 3 says, when I commit my plans to the Lord, my thoughts will become agreeable to His will. So how do I start discovering The vision. How do I start discovering the purpose? Just just start working with the plan. It takes faith to plan. God always works with movement. God always works with movement. Notice Psalms 37, 23. The footsteps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. It doesn't say the butt prints. Remember when Moses was delivering the children of Israel? Pharaoh let them go. So here they have a couple million people out there. The Red Sea's in front of them. Pharaoh's army's breathing down their neck. And Moses tries to get real religious. He says, Stand still and see the salvation of God. And God interrupts him uh, Hey, Mo. Right now is not the time to stand still. You better get moving. Oh, okay. And he holds up the rod, and God parts the sea. See, God has a plan for your life, and I want to encourage you, don't get so hung up on what you don't know. Focus on what you do know. See, the devil is a master on getting us to focus on what we don't know. Well, I don't know where the money's going to come from. I don't know how this is going to get accomplished. I don't know. 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 To the point he asked you your name. What's your name? I don't know. Instead of focusing, okay, what I do know is I'm forgiven. What I do know is I'm made in the image and likeness of God. What I do know is that God has a plan and purpose for me. What I do know that if God is for me, who can be against me? What I do know is that God believes in me. What I do know that my purpose remains forever. What I do know that God has a vision for my life. What I do know is if I just step on what I do know, God's super will come on my natural and I will get to where I'm supposed to go if I focus on what I do know. What do you know? Are you doing the last thing God told you to do? See, God has a purpose. When, when we reconnect to God, he says, it's, it's like you dream. And you begin to ask God, God, restore. Say it, restore. Restore the fortunes. Restore, just like the, the torrents of rain, the dry areas of my life. God, let your presence come and let it bring life again. Let it, let it Father, d- breathe upon my dream again. Breathe upon my purpose again. Breathe upon my passion again. Breathe upon what I'm called and created To be and do. Continual restoration. God wants to do that for each and every one of us right now. He wants us to build our faith that he wants to continually restore the dream, the passion, the purpose, the vision, the plan. That you're planted. You're not playing with this. You're not potted. You're out of the pot. You're planted. You're all in. You know you can be as far in in the things of God as you want to be. But a lot of times what happens, and this is very important, young people, is that we call upon the name of Jesus. We come out of the kingdom of darkness. We come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And then we just see if we can just play two-step with God. That I'm going to see how much of the world I can stay in and still know that I'm going to go to heaven. And it's like we're doing the Heisman. Kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light but we can make a decision that I'm going to get so far in, I'm going to experience everything that God has. I'm not turning around. I'm not looking back. I'm going forward. I'm going to walk in my deliverance. I'm going to walk in my healing. I'm going to walk in the blessing. I'm going to become everything I'm called and created to be. I'm going to go everywhere I'm called and created to go, and no devil in hell is going to stop me or no religious person. All for the glory of God. See, we can be as far in as we want to be, and God's plan for our life is better than our own plan. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. God wants continual restoration. I want you just to listen with your heart. Continual restoration. Continual, frequently recurring, always happening, no interruptions. Making your life better, improving and multiplying. He says, when we come back into relationship with Him, it's like a dream. And I want to pray over you. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit of God to start restoring your life, restoring the plan, restoring the the vision, the purpose, restoring your relationships, restoring financially. Stay with me, finish strong here. Continual restoration. But before I do, I want to ask you the most important question of your life with every head bowed and every eye closed can every person at the sound of my voice when you look into your heart and if you were to die today do you know that you know that you know you would spend eternity with god that you would go to heaven and not hell the bible says when a person receives jesus they know they have eternal life they don't question it they don't wonder they don't guess they know When you look into your heart, do you know that you'll spend eternity with God? And if you don't have that knowing, would you make tonight the night that you settle where you're going to spend eternity? You say, how can I do that? Very simple. The Bible says when a person believes in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and declares with their mouth, Jesus, you are my Lord. At that time, at that place that person receives the life of God and you come from the kingdom of darkness and come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ and you settle where you're going to spend eternity. So if you want to settle that tonight and make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, this is what I'd like us to do with heads bowed, eyes closed. I'd like us to pray a very simple prayer together and I want us to do it out loud. The reason I have us do it out loud is because I want the people who are praying it for the very first time, I want them... To know that we're on their team. That we're there. they can pray it with confidence. That they have a family around them. That believes in them. That connect with them. To help them know God and be the best them they can be. Another reason I have us do it out loud. Is because I want you familiar with the heartbeat of this prayer. So you can pray with your friends and your family. So would you pray this prayer with me. If you're wanting to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. If you're wanting to settle where you're going to spend eternity. And as we pray this prayer, I want you to believe these words in your heart and declare these words with your mouth like your eternal destiny depends upon it because it does. According to God's word, right where you're sitting or standing, the life of God enters you. Can we pray this together? Can we say, Father God, today is the day that I make the decision to believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead to give me life and I accept that life and I ask you Jesus to come into my heart to be my Lord to be my savior and according to God's word I am forgiven I am cleansed and I can be certain that I'll spend eternity with almighty God Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you said that prayer for the very first time in your life, and you meant it, you meant it, you settled it, on the count of three, I want you just to slip your hand up in there and hold it there for a second, saying, yes, I said it, I believe it, and I meant it for the very first time in my life. Are you ready? One, two, three. Would you just slip your hand up, hold it there? God sees this hand. God sees that hand. God sees that hand back there. God sees these hands here. God sees these hands right here, that hand over there. God says, that hand back there, thank you, ma'am. That hand up there, thank you. You can put your hands down. Now look up here at me. The Bible says the angels in heaven are rejoicing over those people that accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I want to encourage you. I want you to make sure and tell Pastor Ty, tell the ministry teams here, reach out to us on social media. They want to help connect you in every area possible to help you grow in your relationship with God. Can we give God praise one more time? Awesome. I know I've gone about two minutes over my time, but this is very important. Pastor Ty, you can go and come on up. Very important. I know some of you are going to have to go and leave and everything, but there's a few things that the Lord's just brought up in my heart, and don't leave here if, if this is you, and I don't, don't know exactly how Pastor Ty wants to do this, but there's individuals here that you've been having pain. Can, can I just do this real quick, Pastor Ty? I don't, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but, but God just wants to love on us. Would you mind just, just bowing your heads and closing your eyes? There's individuals here that uh, you had a, you've had a pain that just runs right up the back of your neck. Who, who is that? Would you just raise your hand right here, here? There's several of you here, here. Man, several of you right there. Would you just place your hand right there? On the back of your neck, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I command the pain to stop and I command the the blood vessels to open up, the right amount of blood to flow through their body, through their veins to those areas. Now I command anything that is damaged to be restored. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead quickens their mortal body. Right now, I send the word of God forth into their neck to bring healing and wholeness to their body. In the name of Jesus. Now, thank you for it. I bless you for it. And I want you to move your neck around. And those of you who prayed over your neck, I want you to give me a thumbs up. Those of you that have a, that the pain's gone. Pain's gone. Pain's gone. Pain's gone. Pain's gone. Pain's gone, pain's gone, pain's gone, pain's gone, pain's gone. Continual restoration. Can we give God praise? Now, there was, a, there was a couple of you. The thing about continual and the thing about faith is when the anointing of God is released, you take it. You receive it. And when the, if the pain tries to come back, you let it know, uh-uh, I am continually restored. I received my healing. There's an individual here that you've been having pain that comes right up the top part of your eye socket. Who is that? Just just lift your hand that, right here, Pastor. Right here. Just place your hand right there. Now, Payne, you listen to me. I command you to dissipate. I command you to be gone right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak peace to the veins. I speak peace to the nerves. I declare continual restoration. I don't care what the problem is. I don't care what caused it. I command the pain to dissipate now. And I release the anointing of God to flow into those eye sockets. To saturate the eyeball. In the name of Jesus. And I say peace. Be still. And you be whole. In the name of Jesus. Amen. How is it, Pastor?
0: actually said that there was going to be pain in someone's neck and, and eye sockets tonight this morning in my prayer time
1: <laughs> can we give god praise thank you lord thank you father now there's nerve damage that that has run up an individual now, i don't know if this is your, This this you're done okay you're restored okay it's good to have a whole pastor right you know what's so funny? the The first time I, I was at a Baptist church, and the Lord, not thank God for the Baptist. I mean, I knew how to get saved because of Baptist, right? But the Lord wanted me to teach on healing, and I was like, "Lord, you know, come on, can I teach on something else?" And the only three people that got healed was the pastor, his wife, and their son. Totally turned that church completely around. It was phenomenal. Anyway, there, whoever that individual is that you've been having. Uh, just like shooting pains up your legs. It's been coming up your legs. Who is that? We're almost done. Stay with me here. Who, who is that? Shooting pains here? Here? There's several of you there. Just place your hands up on your legs right now. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I release the anointing of God and I command you, nerves, you be at peace. Fire, you dissipate in the name of Jesus and it's replaced with a cool anointing with the core flow that the presence of God begins to minister to their nerves, begin to minister to their legs. You come alive, nerves, in the name that is above every name. Nerve damage, you no longer are damaged. You're whole, continually restored from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. And Father, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you for your healing power. The word of God does not return void. Right now, I call them whole in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it, and I bless you for it. How is it? How is it, ma'am? Give me a thumbs up if the pain's gone. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. How is it, Krill? Thumbs up. Thumb... Can we give God praise? Thank you, Jesus. Can we? Those of you that you've been having arthritis in your in your wrist, don't, don't disengage. If this is you, you would want to be made whole, right? You've been having pain in your wrist. Who is that? You've been having right here, here. Just move your wrist around. Several of you. Move your wrist around. Now, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I call their muscles whole. I call their tendons whole. I just command their bodies to be strong, continually be restored in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. I release the anointing of God into their wrist in Jesus' name. Now, bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. Who, who in here, your name is Jimmy? Jimmy, look up here at me. Your name is Jimmy, 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 continual restoration is coming into your life in ways that exceed what you've thought, what you've believed, what you've imagined. Continual restoration starts in your life. There's business ventures that you've stepped out into that things were shut down, stopped, and destroyed. Proverbs 6.31 says, When a thief has been found out, he has to repay seven times what he stole. Jimmy, get ready. Jimmy, expect continual restoration in Jesus' name. Can we give God praise, church? Thank you, Lord. Pastor Tom, I'm going to hand it back over to you. Did you get something out of the Word of God tonight? God bless y'all. We love you. We bless you. We'll see you another time.